I want to I want us to be keeping Greg Musser in prayer. Um, I hope he's not mad at me for doing this, but he's been having uh, for a couple of years some real heart pain and issues, congestive heart failure. He went in for a stent um, about a month or so ago, and he's not feeling any better. He's he's taking nitroglycerin. He's just not doing well at all. Um, he's going in for a consultation again this week to see what else they can do. Um, and so we're going to pray for, I want to pray right now for healing for him and just remind us, have him, uh, keep him in prayer. But we want to pray for, for a miracle first, and then we're okay with, with God moving and, and uh, working through the doctors and helping him. But um, he, the, the man is so active and so giving, and I, sh- I think he's very frustrated that, that uh, he's in, in this pain and difficulty of breathing. So let's, let's pray for Greg right now. We'll stretch out his hand in case you don't know. He's sitting in the back, and he's got bogey. All right. Heavenly Father, right now, we need a miracle. Greg, Greg needs a miracle. We just pray right now that you would touch him. God is part of our family and a beloved brother. Lord, we just pray that you would just heal his body. God, bring relief to the pain, the discomfort. God, um, I pray that you would just restore health, restore strength and vigor, uh, cause him to be able to sleep and breathe, God. Um, just do a miracle in Jesus' name. God, if you are, are choosing to work through the doctors, we pray that they would uh, know what's going on and they would be able to uh, work with him and get his health back up. You know, we just pray for him and encouragement and love and blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I know we would do it without... Greg around here, so we want to keep him around a little bit longer, huh? Amen. All right, let's ro- let's put up the. There it is. We're starting a series today called the Journey, and uh, we're just we're going to be on this series for a while, at least four weeks, because we want to talk about the journey of our faith. Uh, over this time, while we're in this, we'll be talking about how uh, there's different different parts of the journey, that people are on a different part of the journey at any given time. We're going to be looking at Bible characters in three different parts of the scriptures to find out how they journeyed, what they learned along the journey. Um, that's one of the things we want to do is look at and discuss the things that we're learning as we're on this journey. And everyone in the world is on a journey. Uh, they're on the, on the same journey. Some have not come to Christ. They haven't found Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so, but they're still on this journey. And, and uh, one of the messages we'll be preaching is, is going to be called From Wonder to Wonder. From Wonder to Wonder. You know, I wonder if there's really a God. You know, there's a lot of wonder going on in people who haven't found Christ. I wonder if I'm okay. I wonder if there's a heaven. I wonder if there's a hell. I wonder. I wonder. But then when we come to Christ, we begin to wonder at his goodness and wonder at his grace. Wonder to wonder. That's part of the journey is that we we were all at one point walking around kind of going, I wonder. I wonder. Even as believers, we go through valleys. We go through challenges that many of us as believers, and, and most of us as believers would be afraid to admit this, especially if you've been a believer for a long time. But many of us have gone through a moment where we go, I wonder if what I believe is really true. I wonder if I've been wasting time on this. The enemy will come in and bring a doubt. We'll, we'll come to the point where we haven't had an answer to prayer, and maybe that, that question comes up. And it might just be a brief one. It's happened to me. It's happened to me uh, numerous times, even if it's just that quick doubt. Is this really true? 
sometimes I, we, we get those questions because we're not always seeing the answers to prayer when we pray them. We get discouraged, we get depressed, and for the moment we're wondering and, and wandering ourselves and we go, is this really true? But as, as, as we look and just barely press into Jesus just a tiny bit, he reveals himself once again to us. But there's people who are wondering if this is all true. And every time I've come to that point, is this really true? God confirms through his word. He confirms through that inner voice, the, the Holy Spirit. He confirms to me absolutely that, that God is who he says he is, that the Bible is what it says it is, that Jesus Christ is who God claimed him to be, who Jesus claimed him to be, who we claim him to be, that absolutely we can put our faith and trust in it. And so we go through the journey. Well, we come to faith. And, and that's, that's part of the journey, but that's a fun part because many people, when they come to faith, they get all excited about Jesus. And, and they're going to change the world, and they're going to turn the world upside down. And, and it's a great time of salvation. If you, I want to encourage you, if you know any young believers, don't try to put out their fire. You know what a lot of old, uh, us older Christians do when you find a new believer? Say, oh, don't worry, it'll pass. You know, you won't always be this excited. Let's let them be excited and challenge us again. And I think we do that sometimes because maybe you're, you're feeling bad that we don't have that zeal that they do. But they've come and it's like, it's like falling in love. I mean, it's, it's, it's really the same thing as that young person who's fallen in love and they're just, they just can't stop posting on Facebook about that. Making me, you know, just you know, all these pictures of the girlfriend and the boyfriend. It's just wonderful, isn't it? You know, some of you are like, yeah, it makes me sick. <laughs> but it's the, sa it's the same thing as part of the journey. Well, as we all know, you come to faith, and, and a trial comes, and, and discouragement comes, or you walk through a valley, or somebody dies, or you, you prayed, and, and, and what you prayed for didn't happen the way you wanted. And, and so the journey that we're on is never consistent. It's full of mountains, it's full of valleys, and it's full of a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. Maturity comes from walking through the journey and, and uh, persevering in this life. And so we're going to be talking about the journey. And, and throughout this time, I believe that we'll all be encouraged to continue on in the journey, to, to keep going, to keep seeking, to realize that, as, as we've said around here, that um, everyone is on this journey, and our desire is to grow one step closer to Jesus and, and help everyone we come in contact with grow one step closer to Jesus. This world needs Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? You know, this world, it, the world doesn't need another politician or better politicians. This world doesn't need a, a border wall. This world needs Jesus. If we, if we had Jesus, we wouldn't we need to worry about passing laws about partial birth abortion. Because anyone who, who had the love of God in them and w was regenerated and, and, and was impacted and understood that God creates life would never even want to terminate life. But the enemy comes in and he deceives so many people. And we're not going to, don't get me started on, on laws that are passing. They're horrible. But what the world needs is Jesus. Now, through followers of Jesus, we can enact change and we need to. We need to be very involved politically. But outside of Christ, outside of being regenerated, this world is in a lot of trouble. So we're all on this journey, and this, this journey never ends here. It doesn't end in, until we, we take the last breath here and breathe in that first breath of heavenly air when we're in his presence. 
And so this journey is a, is a, long, and a long one. And some of you have been on the journey shorter time, and some of you have been on longer than I have. We're going to go into the Word of God and talk about characters in the Bible who, who've gone on their, their journey, and we're going to try to learn from their mistakes. You know, the Bible is a wonderful compilation of, of accounts and stories. And although the Bible contains a whole bunch of seemingly separate and individual stories, you go in, in Genesis and you and the book of Genesis talks about most of the people that we think of for Bible stories are in, in Genesis. We have Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and we have um, Abraham and Isaac and, and all the, 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 the patriarchs. And they're individual stories, but it's more than individual stories. It's not a whole bunch of separate individual stories, but stories that are woven together to tell God's story. That's what the Bible is. It's a whole bunch of stories woven together to tell God's story. In other words, it's his story. And if you put those two words together, it's a real simple one. It's history. His story. And so we're going to be going through the word and, and, and looking at different um, characters in the Bible, and some of them are real characters for sure. We're going to find out how they did on their journey, the things that, that we can learn from them, from their successes and their failures. One of the things that we learn as we read the Bible, and you, and you just keep seeing the failure of people and the failure of nations, is that man is incorrigible. You know that, that word incorrigible? It means that we outside of Christ cannot be fixed. We're broken, and we need a Savior. The whole Old Testament is pointing towards the need of a Savior that we, find, that we see in Jesus Christ when he comes. Man outside of Christ cannot be corrected. And we see Jesus coming to people, coming to us in the New Testament. We needed a Savior. Through the accounts of the people in the Bible, we gain insight about the journey for us here on earth, and we, we get principles to live by. I heard a wonderful quote this week um, by Dave Ramsey. And, and we're going to talk about principles to live by as we study the patriarchs, as we study the characters of, of uh, God and uh, of the Bible. We're going to find out those that lived by principle. And they had a principle. And we need to be living by principle. What Dave Ramsey said this week was wonderful. When you live by principle, the majority of your decisions are already made. And, and, and that might be a rough quote. And I went, wow. Now, Dave Ramsey talks about finances a lot. He's talking about finance, but in any part of life, when you live by principle, so, so in the finances, when you live by the principle that you should not get into debt, and somebody says, hey, there's this great deal on a car, but it's more than you have, but you could get a loan for it, your answer is no. You don't go, wow, that's a really good deal. Wow, I really like that car. Because the principle is, I don't get into debt. And that's what Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey teaches. And so when you live by principle, you go, ah, bummer. Or, or you might sell something. If you can sell something, buy it. But you're not going to get into debt. It's principle. When you have a principle that you will not sleep with, with the, your girlfriend or boyfriend before marriage, and, and, and somebody says, hey, your boyfriend girlfriend says, hey, you want to go away for the weekend? I got this great hotel room. And you just go, no, because I live by principle. And I know that ain't going to be good. We're living by principles. We don't go, oh, man, that would be really good. And maybe if we just do things right. At night. No, we're going to live by principle. We're going to be principally livers. So we're going to talk about those who on the journey have learned and lived by principles. 
And then that's something we can put into our lives. We're going to find out that b- the, some of the examples that we read are bad examples. God left them in the Bible. We, when you read the Bible, it's important to know that not every example is a good example. Not everything that's said, okay, I, I, this is always hard to, s- to, to do this well. Not everything that is said or written in the Bible is truth. Because some of the people who say some of the things in the Bible weren't living for God. For instance, is everything vanity? Solomon says everything's vanity. Well, not everything. Christ isn't vanity. God isn't vanity. The counsel that Job's comforters give him, the counsel that Job's wife gives him, we could pull that out and just say, hey, here's some, here's a, here's some good advice for you, Claude. Just curse God and die. That's what, that's what Job's wife said. So we have to remember that there are people who say things that are recorded in the Bible and their, and their uh, advice isn't good. That's why it's important to find out who's saying it and, and whether it lines up with God. So we're going we're gonna to be finding out by some of these examples, some of their examples were good and some were bad, and some people had both good examples in their life and bad. I can't wait to really talk about David. Um, David was, was one of those. Moses, um, most of them, I mean, they're just things. Go with me to Hebrews 11, though. Because as I'm talking about that, it's important to us to, to get the understanding of God's grace and mercy. Hebrews chapter 11. Some of our examples, they were knuckleheads. I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, but he couldn't rule his own family well. David was a man after God's heart, but rather than be at war, he was up on the rooftop checking out Bathsheba ended up having an affair and having Uriah killed. Yet he was a, a man after God's heart. And so we see God's grace and forgiveness. Moses, he, he questioned God over and over again. He, he wasn't even obedient to God when God says, you're going to be my voice. And Moses says, no, and he had to get Aaron. When we go through Exodus, we're going we're gonna to see what, what that caused. But here's God's wonderful grace. In Hebrews 11, it starts talking about this, what we call the hall of faith. Verse 6, it said, uh, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please him. And then, and then in verse uh, 7, it says, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he would receive. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country. Um, By faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child. Talking about Abraham, and yet Abraham in the middle of this faith journey who God is commending through the scriptures in, in Hebrews 11. Remember Abraham was the one who took Hagar, his maidservant, and had a child with her who became not the son of promise, but eventually became the son of the Islamic faith. I mean, what a mistake that was. Wouldn't it have been nice if there was no Islamic faith that we war with and that bring people astray? Yet Abraham, who made the mistake, is noted here in Hebrews 11 for being a man of faith who followed God. I want to put that in because as we go through here, understand that no matter what mistakes you've made, God loves you and has grace and mercy for you and me. And there is not a mistake so big that God's going to go, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do with that one. 
I just can't fix that one. His, his grace and his mercy, his love toward us is, is infinite. And so no matter where you are on your journey, maybe in this journey you felt like you've gone around this same tree 150 times and you're hoping to get further down the path and you just can't make it. God's got grace for you. But he's saying, I'm going to help you get, down, get on down the road. I feel like singing a song. We're encouraged by the, the, the hall of faith when we see Moses and Abraham in there who were people who were just like us. They, they fell, they faltered. So this morning we want to get into just a few people in our time talking about some characters and what they learned on their journey and how we might be able to apply that. And there are so many. So I just thought this morning we'd just kind of start and hit a few at the very beginning. How did the journey go for Eve? In Genesis chapter 3, we find the account of Adam and Eve. Hebrews 11 talks about, by faith, Adam. By faith, we believe that the world was created and put into, into being, even though and the things that were, were made were created from things that are unseen. And then we have the creation of Adam, which it's so important to note in that, in that time when he creates Adam. Everything God created was always good. When he created Adam, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. So he creates Eve, his helpmate. And he creates Eve, and, and we don't know how long they were living there in the Garden of Eden when, when one day when Adam and Eve were living in the Garden, the serpent comes up and has a conversation with Eve. And, and, a, and a month or two ago, we, we highlighted that and said one of the things that was crazy in that is that when the, the serpent started talking to Eve, one of the things she didn't say was, wow, look, a talking serpent. I mean, I, I, so it actually gives me to believe that maybe all the animals in the, in the garden used to have conversations with, with man. And that in heaven, we can actually speak with animals. Wouldn't that be cool? Why not? We know that the animals have these emotions, wonderful things. So, so here Eve is, is tempted by the serpent, and the serpent gives these things as well. You know, you're not going to die if you eat that. And, and the Bible says that Eve saw that the, f- the fruit was, was pleasing to the eye, and it was good to gain knowledge, and so she took some. And she gave some with her husband. Well, here, here's the biggest takeaway from, from the journey for Eve. Don't always believe what your eyes tell you. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your desires. Don't trust wisdom that says, well, you know, why, why shouldn't I be able to have this? She, she began to argue with God about whether it was going to be helpful for her life. And, and she began to think that she knew more than God. And she says, well, this looks good to me and it's good for food and I think I'm going to take some. Church, this comes up to us all of the time all of the time we we get inundated with doesn't that look good doesn't that new car that you can't afford look really nice i think i'm going to indebt myself because it looks great doesn't that girl isn't that girl hot i think i want some action with that isn't that guy really good looking i think i'm gonna go off and and have lunch with them even though i'm married and i'm not happy in my marriage we see things and we're tempted and we follow our thinking and we follow our emotions. I'm really 
really depressed. I think just drinking some alcohol is going to help me today. It's a lie. It's a lie. But we give in to our, our, our senses. And one of the things we, you know, we don't learn a whole lot about Adam and Eve. I mean, they are the father and mother of, of all. And the, the account, they're, they're gone pretty quick. We have to not, we have to learn from Eve's journey. Let's be people who listen to God and not be sense-ruled, sensual, emotionally driven. Think that we know more than God. And in order to, to know what God thinks and says, one of the things we're going to find in the journey right away is that we need to be people of the Word. We need to be people who read the Bible, who understand the Bible and its principles. We need to be people who would ask questions. Hey, I'm having a hard time understanding, you know, what the Bible is telling me to do in this situation. And go to godly people who are going to counsel us good, counsel us well. So Eve, we, we, we learned that we don't want to follow our emotions. We don't want to follow our wisdom. Well, what about Adam in this story? Adam doesn't do much better. It's, it's interesting, and, and people bring this, this difference up between Adam and Eve, is that they say that Eve tempted Adam, and of course later on Adam blames Eve for everything, which is we're all really good at that, blaming someone. Um, you, did you, know, you notice in that chapter 3, when God comes up on the scene and they're hiding from God like that's going to help. And I'm sure none of you have ever tried to hide from God. Right? Because none of us would ever do that. You know, we, for, the, for the recording, I rolled my eyes, you know. Because we do. We hide from God. Sometimes we just hide from church. We hide from the godly people around us because we want to get as far away from anything that reminds of God. So that's what they were doing. They're hiding from God. And God says, well, what did you do? And Adam, what happened? Did you eat from the tree? And Adam says, Eve made me do it. Eve gave me some. And, and God looks at Eve and goes, Eve, what happened? And Eve goes, the serpent made me do it. The devil made me do it. Now, at first, they might have thought they were off the hook because God goes to the serpent and he curses the serpent. He says, on your belly you will, you know, you will be for the rest of your days. And they're going, oh, good, it worked. I, I just love, I, I was reading this and going, oh, God is so fun. You know, he could have just, he, I would have gone right back to Adam. I would have started there, but I think God was having fun with him. He says, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to start over here where they told me to go. I'm going to curse them, but I'm going to come right back to Eve and then to Adam. You can't get out of it. And so, so Adam does that whole thing. He tries to put, cast the blame onto Eve. But here's the problem. One of the things we learned from Adam's journey, Adam knew the truth as well. Adam knew not to eat from the tree. He knew what to do. And uh, amazing, the entire population of the world outside of Adam was encouraging him to eat from the tree. Because there's only one other person. Sometimes, church, you have to disagree with the whole world. Sometimes you have to do the opposite of what the whole world says you're supposed to do in order to do what God wants you to do. And this gets really touchy even if it's your wife. Even if it's your husband. We have to follow God. 
We, we never, when, when I counsel husbands, wives, even, even kids, do I obey my parents? You obey your parents until they are telling you to disobey God. And that gets real tough because there are actually parents who tell kids to disobey God. Adam needed to do what's right even though it was going to cause tension and difficulties in his marriage. Husbands, lead well. Do what's right no matter what. Do what's right. Even if the whole world is telling you it's wrong. But you need to be a man of the word and a man of prayer to know whether it's not just, well, I think this is good, good, good ideas. It's full of wisdom. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about Adam knew that God said, don't do that. So, they, so we learned from Eve, don't be emotionally driven, sense ruled. Don't think that your wisdom is higher than God's. With, with Adam, it's simple. Do what's right, even if nobody else is doing it. That's like the old the messages we preached in high school, but I think us adults need to hear that one too. You know what? Don't give in to peer pressure. Don't give in to that. As we go on just a little bit further, we're just going to get a few characters today. Take away a point, hopefully, from each one. Who are the two, ne- who are the two next people in the Bible? Anyone? Cain and Abel. You know, everyone knows about Cain and Abel, right? No, they, they, they just, they've heard that, that term, Cain and Abel, the brothers. And what is the one phrase that you think of when you think of Cain and Abel? Am I my brother's keeper, right? You've, a lot of us have heard that. You go, oh, is that. Was that from them? Yes, that's from Cain and Abel. And here we had, we had Cain and Abel, and Abel was a, was the, was a godly son who, who was given the sacrifices to God that he desired, and, and Cain was not, and they ended up fighting, and, and brothers fight. Brothers fight, they, they get really into harsh fights at times, but this one went, and Cain killed Abel. Cain kills Abel. God comes to Cain, and you know, God is really good at asking us rhetorical questions. He knows the answer to, and what, where's your brother? What happened to your brother? And Cain's response was simply this, am I my brother's keeper? We've used that to justify that, you know, I'm not my brother's keeper. Do you realize that we've been agreeing with Cain for hundreds of years as we ourselves have thrown out that phrase that says, hey, am I my brother's keeper? I think the answer is yes. We are. We're responsible to and for our, our, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We're not supposed to be lone rangers. God created us that we would live life together. We would live in community and and, in families and then within like the church family. We're supposed to be our brother's keeper. We're supposed to care for them and and keep keep our our eyes on them and and love them. We're not supposed to be the the overlords who say, what are you doing and what are you doing? But we're supposed to know. We're supposed to know where our brothers are at. Not so we can judge them, but so that we're caring about them. Do we? Are there people in your life that you know that God has put you in their life to love and to pray for them, but maybe they're kind of drifting off and have you given up on them? We're supposed to be loving and caring for them. Are you the person who's rejecting that in your life? You're, you're trying to hide from God and say, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I like Frank Sinatra. Me and Frank are buddies. I'm going to do it my way. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, we're supposed to live in relationship with one another. And, and it didn't work out well for Cain, trying to 
get away from that. We need to love, care for, pray for, be concerned for, encourage, strengthen. Love one another. Care for. The Bible says, John, you'll, you'll know that you're his disciples if you have love one for another. I think the church should be the most loving and caring place around. We have a wonderful day. We hear it all the time, and I, I'm just so blessed to be part of this congregation. We hear people, when they, they come, they say, you know, I just feel like there's real love, and they care for one another, and I feel, feel welcomed here and not judged. That's a wonderful testimony. That's what Christians should be. They should know that you are Christians, not by your T-shirts or your bracelets or your bumper stickers. They should know that we are Christians by our love one for another. Be our brother's keeper in the sense that we love and we care for. We encourage. So we go to Enoch. Enoch then becomes the, the other son of Adam and Eve. Well, down the road and descendant of... Enoch, it says... It's in five. I'm just looking. Twenty-four. Enoch was the son of... Oh, my goodness. I skipped saying, oh, yeah, Jared, and then he begot Enoch. So there's the Enoch in verse 18. So verse 23, there's 24. It says, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. So it's giving their, their age. And it says in verse 24, Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We believe, scholars believe, that he was the first person raptured. That he pleased God so much that God took him home. Everyone else says that he died. We can learn from, from Enoch that that if you will stay your heart close to the Lord, that, that you can walk with him. That there's nothing greater in this life than to please God and to walk with him. It's a, it's a goal. It's something that we're going we're gonna to struggle with. And, and I can't wait to meet Enoch and to find out what, what did he do. I mean, how did he walk with God in such a way that God just took him home? But it can be a wonderful goal for us. You know, I want to live like Enoch. I want to live a life of faith. I want, to, I want to please him. I want to walk with God. And, you know, I don't know if you ever go for walks with people. So Shannon and I, we, we, in the summer, we walk a lot together. And, and uh, sometimes I walk faster. Sometimes she walks faster. But if we want to take a walk together, I have to slow down and walk with her if she's going slower that day. If I'm going slower that day in order for to walk together, she has to slow her pace down and walk with me. It's a real simple, simple thing, but are we walking with God? Are, are we getting ahead of him? Are we falling behind? How, how is it going for you? Do you know his heartbeat? When, in fact, I don't, if, have you ever tried to walk and hold somebody's hand? Isn't that really hard to do? If you don't get your feet just right, in fact, I, I, I'm really analytical. You know, when you walk, your, your arms swing. 
And if you're on the wrong arm swing with the person you're walking with, it's all awkward and you're doing these weird things. You have, when you walk with somebody hand in hand, you get your feet at the same pace so that your arms swing together and you're like one. Sometimes when we're walking, I'll, we'll be walking and my arm feels weird and I realize that I'm out of step and so I kind of do the old thing real quick to get us into step. Does anyone else do that? <laughs> I knew I was weird, you know? Why? Because in order to walk with someone, you have to be very aware of what's going on with them, how they're feeling. You know, if, if my back is out, I walk funny. She's got to be aware of that. When you're walking with God, you're very aware of how fast he's going, what's happening, if he's going left or right. Church, if we want to be like Enoch, we need to be close with the Lord. We need to know his heart. His heart's found in, in, in the word, but it's also found through prayer. Something happens when we spend that quiet time with God in prayer that he begins to just unfold his heart and, we, and our cares begin to go away and we begin to know the heart of God. It's amazing. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything when you're, when you're you know, you, you've been praying and maybe you're praying for this person to be saved and this person and help me at this job and do this. And these are all wonderful things. And then all of a sudden you start getting quiet and, and you just begin to feel God's heart maybe for one specific person. Maybe he starts ministering to your heart about how you were harsh with your spouse that day because you've quieted down and you're beginning to know his heart, not just how to do things right for him, but you're knowing the heart. And I think the heart of God is found not just from the word, but from spending time in prayer. And, and that's, I want to admit, I think it's a harder thing for men to do. So I was having a conversation with someone this week about you know that with their with their husband and you know that they say, you know he he loves God and he does the right thing but his prayer life is just he just doesn't really pray a lot and and I think that he could be really blessed by a, a deeper prayer life and I went I think that's can be common to man because truthfully guys we're not very good at communication and prayer is communication so, so probably if you're an average guy, you're really good at bringing, you could be really good at bringing your prayer list to God because that's the way we work too. Give me the honeydew list so we do the same thing. Well, okay, God, I, I know I got to pray, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for Joe and I'm going to pray for Claude. I'm going to pray for, you know, I'm going to pray for all these things and oh, you know, you need a raise and how you get the job done. Boom, we, I, I did my prayer. I am good at that. I'm a man. I can conquer that. There's another part of prayer that hopefully you've learned to do with your spouse and that's to just sit with them and listen. Sit with them and listen. You know, the average spouse has a lot more words than the average husband. And, and as a good husband, we need to learn to listen. Because in that listening, we learn so much from our wife. In that listening of the quieting down, we can learn so much from God the Father. And, and you might be, there's, uh, this is not a hard and fast rule. There are some women that are just like men. They are task-driven. And their prayer life probably looks exactly like I described for the man. It's like, okay, I'm going to pray for these things. I mean, they might spend an hour praying for things. But again, can we be intimate with God? I think that Enoch learned how to be intimate with God. And God took him. You know, the whole word intimacy. Oh, we don't want that. You know, keep your arm's distance. 
Let's learn from Eve. Let's not be driven by our senses and our emotions. Let's learn, learn from Adam to do, do, live by principles and do the right thing even if it disagrees with what the world says is true. And Christians, we're living in that time in this nation. We're being told not to do what Christ tells us to do. We can learn from Cain to, to, to live. We're supposed to live in community and actually care for our brothers and our sisters. And we can learn from Enoch to have intimacy with God the Father. To know his word and to know his heart. We can be encouraged to, to spend that time in his presence. Jesus told his disciples when he went off to pray and they were just supposed to wait on God and stay awake. He comes back and they kept falling asleep and he had a simple, simple statement. In the King James Version, he says, could you not tarry one hour? Could you just not stay one hour? How about this? Could we not just spend in his presence, tarry in his presence for 15 minutes? Let's start with something easy, five minutes. If you've never sat and been quiet in his presence and just been there, try that for two minutes tomorrow or three minutes. Try to bump it up to five or ten. And I tell you, if you could just spend five or ten minutes, and, and I encourage you probably put on some really soft music with no words because you start singing the song if there's words. I, I'm just, right? We just, oh, I know that song. We start, la, 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 ta, ta. Five minutes almost up. Just stay in his presence, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. That's how we're going to close in just a moment of silence in his presence. And then we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that right now you begin to speak to us. Would you be so bold to, did anyone actually begin to feel like they were led, spoken to? You don't have to tell what it is. But like, were you like in that moment? And maybe, that, I mean, that was like the silence's deafening moment. In that, did you begin to feel like, I need to, anyone have that? It's, it begins to happen. Now, I want to encourage you as you do that, keep a journal with you. And in the journals for a couple things. One, the journal is for that thought that came up that went, oh, I forgot to pay the bill. Some of you went, oh my gosh. Write it down. And then stop thinking about it. But if you don't write it down, you want to remind yourself that, oh, I got to pay that bill. Happened to me this week. The registration was due. Okay, pay that. Then put it down and go again. And you sit there and you might find something, you know, just this little, this little tug in your heart that might say, say, I'm like, you know, I wasn't really very kind to my wife. I need to make sure I'm more kind. And let the Lord minister to you. Heavenly Father, on this journey, we need to learn how to walk it, how to overcome, how to succeed. God, to have victories, to how to avoid pitfalls. We, we want to walk this journey well. We want to be overcomers and perseverers. So God, this morning we thank you for showing us through the scriptures that we need to be people who aren't emotionally ruled. We need to be people who are willing to stand up 
to do what's right, to do what you say, even if everyone disagrees with it. We need to be people who live in relationship with others and understand that we are committed to each other. And God, we want to be people who are intimate with you and walk with you. Know your heartbeat. Help us this week to spend that time with you and to be overcomers. Bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.